Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm Podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of the Deal Farm, Kevin and I talk with Franco Perez about an unbelievably niche space, high-end mobile homes. Franco has such a cool perspective on the need for affordable housing, and his solution is going to blow your mind. Hey, Ken, how you doing today? Oh, man, I couldn't be better. How you doing? It's an outstanding week, isn't it? It really is because I get to leave next week. And so I got all this delicious buildup to leave town, except I sort of feel like I'm squeezing two weeks worth of work into one week so that I can leave next week, which uh, it, people don't realize we're going to keep you pretty busy next week, too. I yeah, think. I'm probably just going to turn my phone. I might lose my phone next week. Just FYI. Hey, so you we were in California not too long ago. Where are you going on this next trip? Uh, This one is to Florida. Yep. Nice. Down along 30A. It's our uh, annual fall break trip to the beach. And honestly, I find that September is maybe the perfect time of year to be down there. You know, that last week of September, first week of October is, you know, historically, that was when we would take the kids down to Orlando to Disney. That is a great time to travel, especially south to Florida. Yep. You know, and I was just looking at Disney. Uh, apparently, that's the lowest um, park rates are in like, September. That is the best time to go to Disney. It still it yeah. still is the case in terms of Absolutely. people there and crowds and whatnot. Last week of September, first week of October, we did it multiple times and it was great. I mean, it was amazing. I remember one year we went on Space Mountain just over and over and over. No line. Like we'd get off and just run all the way around and come back. And eventually the the guy that was working there was like, you're just going to come back, right? He goes, hey, just walk down this hallway. And they let us like go around some back passage. So we just jumped back in line super fast. That's crazy. That never happens, yeah. man. Well, it's because, you know, all the all the kids have just gone back to who's going on vacation like two weeks after three weeks after school yeah. start. Yeah. Cherokee County, Georgia. That's who. Well, and the nice thing for you guys going, going to the all, beach is still warm, right? It's still nice. No, it's wet. No, it's perfect. The, I mean, the water's still warm. I mean, it is uh, hurricane season. So you're always kind of gambling that, you know, mm -hmm. hurricane. But we've been I mean, I don't know how many years in a row we've gone without issue. The water's still warm. The weather's perfect. Still like in the 80s. The one thing that is funny, though, is we laugh because it's like our entire county from, you know, North Atlanta end up <laughs> along that exact same strip. And so I feel like all the same people you see on a weekly basis, you're just going to see them at the beach now the following you're week. You're going to go to Publix and see all these Woodstock people, right? Down in oh, Florida. Yeah. All the license plates are Cherokee County. It's, it's actually pretty funny. Have you done Disney with the kids? Our sister goes to Disney every other week. <laughs> it's been a good. while. I think she's there right now, actually. But I guarantee when... she is. <laughs> Uh, When's the last time you took your kids to Disney? We did Universal while. two years ago. We did Disney literally right as COVID was hitting before everything shut down, which actually we timed mm -hmm. that just right. We're doing Disney, though, this January. Did I tell you that already? Yep. I just booked no, it, I actually. Yeah. Nice. Orlando, you going to do a whole week or what are you going to do? No, man. Uh, four days. Just just going to go one park at a time. Just blow, like blaze through it and then come home. A park a day, just oh. blasted out. And are you going to yes. stay on site or what are you doing for? Um, it's one of the Disney resorts. Yeah. I don't know. I have a travel agent that helped me, helps me figure it all. I can't navigate and figure all that stuff out. So I need somebody to help me. I'm helpless. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. No, that, that, that's the way to do it is to stay on site. That, I know it's more expensive, but it's it's a full experience being on site. Well, you get in the park earlier too, apparently. Like yeah. when we, you get 30 minutes before everybody else. That kind of in and of itself is worth it. 
Yep. You can get in earlier. Some of the parks, you can stay later. And hey, this is becoming a Disney podcast. If you yeah. make breakfast reservations at one of the in-park restaurants, yeah. you can actually get in even earlier. Like a what? lot of times those restaurants will open before the parks open. Yeah, I've done that before. Come on. You go to the gates and like, I've got a reservation to be at such and such restaurant. And they'll let you in like 30 minutes, an hour earlier. Man, that's good. That's a good heads up. That's the worth the listen to the podcast right there. There you go. Man. Of course, it's been years and years since we did one of them. Well, I haven't been that long. Let's see. We did one. We took the kids. Man, how many years ago was that? It was probably about four years ago, four or five years ago. We pulled that off. We stayed at the uh, at the animal park at the safari one, oh, like nice. the, the resort yeah, yeah. where, yeah, yeah, you'd like go out on your balcony and there were like giraffes and zebras. Oh, and that's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Man. Disney, I mean, even, even when you get up there, your kids get older. I feel like it never really gets old it still kind of keeps its magic now if it's hot and the lines are are ridiculously long i'm out i'm not interested but if like you time it right the weather's decent there's still it's still a little bit magical isn't it yeah well as long as your kids are having fun right i mean yeah. you're just watching your kids enjoy it and i've got two so i'm already thinking these two little guys you know once they're old enough just to see the magic and them just being you know to see your kids should be like this is amazing i mean that's what makes it fun for the 100 percent you know what's interesting about Florida, speaking of Florida. Tell me. Tell me about Florida. You know, uh, I see a lot of mobile home parks when I'm in Florida. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You know, it makes me nervous during hurricane season. But like you, I'm seeing, you know, I, I lived out in California for the last, last four years. Saw a lot of mobile parks out there, too. That's true. Yep. Lots of, yeah. California, I always feel like it's a different, it's a different mobile home park. A lot of times they're really, really nice. Some of the Florida ones, uh, Palm trees, like, you got like, palm trees in both spots, but yeah, it's a different vibe. It's a different vibe, yeah. So maybe this is a good segue into bringing on our new friend uh, Franco Perez to talk about his very interesting and unique investing strategy. You know, we we've talked to folks who work in this space, right, with mobile homes and and parks, and but he does something different. Like this is this is a very unique approach. Totally niche. Never heard anybody doing it the way he's doing it to the extent that he's doing it. I think it's incredibly cool. I think our folks are going to love it. Should we bring him in? Let's do it. All right. So, Franco, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. So we just found out that you are actually in our old neighborhood. Like you, you were at Silicon Valley, same area where we, we grew up. I know. Such a This will be perfect because you guys will understand this area. Oh, yeah. Totally. And we when we lived there, literally, we, we, we moved uh, to Silicon Valley before it was the Silicon Valley. It was in the seventies. It was just orchards. I mean, they were literally orchards up the street from us in San Jose. You, you don't find many orchards around, uh, around the Silicon Valley anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's nothing like that anymore. No a lot way. of concrete, a lot of concrete now. <laughs> Lots of concrete. So how long have you been there? Um, so I was here in probably, man, shoot. So about 2000 and four around there okay. so yeah so almost like 18 years yeah so long yeah. enough to have seen a lot of change you've seen a lot of change during that time in the, in your area yeah definitely so but i mean never saw the farm side of things so that must have been a while ago so <laughs> <laughs> kevin just dated both of us is what he did he basically yes. just that's it, was all very different. Was. it was different back in the 70s <laughs> yeah. such a good way yeah <laughs> Well, so okay, so where give us take us back. Where are you originally from? How'd you find your way to Silicon Valley? And then I'm really curious how you landed in this very niche space that we're about to talk about. Totally, yeah. So I, I guess grew up as a kid in the Philippines. Um, had immigrant uh, parents that moved over here. 
worked very small jobs to try to grow themselves in this area. And then weird and fortunate situation happened. I had my parents split. My dad was really the main breadwinner, but he fled the country. Uh, and I was left with my single mom and my younger sister to try to survive at like 17, 18 years old. So dropped out of school, worked a few jobs to just keep continuing to pay rent in this area. And and as you know, it's kind of one of the most expensive areas in this in this country. Um, but I remember thinking like, man, I'm working so many hours and and just at the end of every month, I was not making ends meet. I was actually borrowing money from friends and even my boss to just pay rent. And um, it was sad. I, I remember thinking, why is life this way? I feel like we're good people. But why don't why do the rich get to benefit from home ownership and all this stuff and then we have to worry about paying rent and not getting any benefit from it so long story short became a real estate agent got got into that did it for a while for a few years and once i was kind of financially stable from doing that i actually hated being a real estate agent uh, <laughs> it it worked well. Uh, however, it was kind of, you know, we're kind of taught to help the wealthiest people we can get the most expensive second or third home that they can. And I had to unfortunately turn away people that were in my shoes back then. I had to say, hey, unfortunately, you don't make enough right now. Unfortunately, you don't have enough saved as a down payment. You know, make more or save more and maybe I can help you later down the line. But knowing... Knowing that I went through that, I knew that it was very difficult for them to really ever make it, to really ever feel that they can purchase a home in our area because it really is a moving target. Prices are out of out of control. And, and I left being an agent to focusing on trying to find a stepping stone for affordable housing and checked government work. I realized there's a ton of what they call affordable housing that doesn't actually work to help society. And I accidentally stumbled across mobile homes. I mean, at first I was like, shoot, you know, from what I think mobile homes are, I think they're just trailer trash, criminals and bad quality homes because that's what we see on TV. And come to find out there's having lived in the Silicon Valley for a while that there's a ton of mobile home parks out there. And I even find out there's a ton of mobile home parks in the country, even in Atlanta, where I was at um, last week. Right. And and I realized that there's this infrastructure that's already there that's and you go into these communities and there's families that are really starting their wealth building journey in a weird way. And so I built a business to help people get out of the rental rat race into mobile homes. And then from there, they were able to boost themselves into real estate ownership from there. So and then now we're converting a lot of old mobile homes into luxurious 2,000 square foot, three bed, two bath homes, um, 12 foot high ceilings, quartz countertop, that's that type of thing. And that's what we're doing today. Wow. Yeah, that's so niche. I, I don't, you know, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who's found a way to high end mobile homes. That's effectively <laughs> what you're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah, I will say this too, Kevin, and maybe you, you can, you can refute this or agree with me on it. I feel like for some reason, mobile home parks in California are different than in other parts of the country where there's 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 an element of that. It's it's actually kind of nice that it sort of has got a retirement feel to it, where Georgia and Florida is sort of, you know, the stereotypical mobile home park. It's what you picture in most cases where in California, it's it's different. I don't know. What yep. do you think? 
I would agree with that. I just, you know, spent four years just now in San Diego and met a lot of folks, good folks, you know, made good money where, you know, folks were retired in a mobile home park, drove, and they were nice. Ron, San Diego, there's some really nice areas. Of course, they don't have to worry about tornadoes and a, and a, and a, and an earthquake and a mobile home's no big deal. Just going to roll around a little bit, right? Uh, <laughs> but I think you're right. I mean, in, in Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, trailer park, uh, mobile homes give a really different vibe. Well, yeah, I think I think to 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 add to that. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm joking. Mm-hmm. To add to that as well, I, I kind of want to say something because. Um, if we think about apartment complexes, there's apartment buildings where it's like you don't want your kids laying around or or hanging mm-hmm. out. And then there's mm-hmm. also luxury style apartment complexes. Sure. Right. Yep. And there's that same spectrum when it comes to mobile home parks as well. Yes, there are these trashy mobile home parks, but there's luxurious, beautiful communities as well. And I've seen it in Florida. Mm-hmm. I just toured some in Atlanta that were great. But yes, I did see some trashy ones as well. And the main mm-hmm. thing is like, the understanding of how these work and the understanding that, you know, what is the housing problem there? And yes, there are going to be some sacrifices, but, you know, if the only alternative is to rent and you can build your wealth, you know, you can start your your wealth building journey through a mobile home. That's what's really the hidden gem too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people living in poor areas just to own, and it's kind of the same concept with mobile homes as well. Right. You know, it's it's a little bit of a sacrifice, but there's a lot of gain to be had as well later. Mm-hmm. Um, so then how are you I, I'm sh- explain to us how you structure the financials? I mean, it, you're not renting these. You're actually selling the mobile home, but retaining the lot. How, how does that all get put together? Sure. I, I think it's important to kind of lay out the problem like for in our area. I mean, we do this in uh, we did the numbers in Austin and that sort of thing, too. But the main gist of it is that in many metro areas, we have a housing problem, right? We have a ton of density, a lot of renters that are paying a lot, and then the home prices are way too high. I'll talk about San Jose, but the numbers are much higher than most of the country, but the ratios are kind of similar. So in our area in San Jose, you're renting a two-bedroom apartment for about $3,400 a month. And then the median a single family home price is at $1.5 million for an average single family home, right? So that's where the big issue is. People are, how do you ever dream of owning a piece of real estate when you're continuously paying a ton for rent? And people feel that those are the only two two options, right? If I purchase a single family home, let's assume it's a 10% down, it's about 150,000 as a down payment and a monthly payment of about $8,000, right? That's a very heavy problem. Um, Now, how does a middle-class worker ever attain that? The beautiful thing about mobile homes is it's kind of a hybrid of both. So, you know, it is a a little bit of renting and it's also the ownership side. So with that being said, in our area of San Jose, an average uh, mobile home that's about 1,500 square foot could cost about 350,000, which is less than a third of, it's more like a quarter of what a single family home price and and what their payment would look like let's say 10% down would be about $30,000 their their space rent would be about $1000 and then their mortgage would be about $2700 so instead of paying a huge $8000 monthly payment they're paying about they're paying about $3700 I hope I said that right. But mm-hmm. their mortgage is about $2,700. So, yep. so their monthly payment is just a little bit more than what they would pay, be paying for um, for rent on an apartment. 
but they're getting a lot of the perks of home ownership. They're getting tax benefits. They're getting appreciation. They get to leverage a loan to build up their net worth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and these are elements that are not accessible to the middle class. It's usually only accessible to those that can afford these million dollar homes. Mm -hmm. But now we're bringing that as a stepping stone to help people get out of that rental rat race and start their ownership journey. Mm -hmm. I'm curious with um, with manufactured housing and mobile housing, what's the what's the financing like? Is it is it FHA? Is it conventional? It's all the, the typical stuff that you get with a normal single family detached? They they don't use FHA, but the perk is you can kind of use FHA after you sell your mobile home and that sort of thing. Okay. So there aren't there it's never going to be as good as conventional loan. Okay. But we I do a lot of lobbying for the loan side of things as well. But you'll typically see about a twenty to twenty five year mortgage. Okay, and usually it's going to be about a point or a point and a half above what you'll see on a conventional mortgage. Okay, but the key thing is is that. You know, it's owning versus renting, whereas the renting side, 100%. you don't really get any yeah. benefit of that. Back. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the fact that, like like you said, what you're doing is you're creating a stepping stone for somebody where now they're getting the tax benefits, they're getting some appreciation, and it's really, you almost have to get your foot in the door, especially in a market like California, if you're ever going to make mm -hmm. that next leap up, because it requires, like you said, so much down payment, and the payment's so high. Only the, it's like the people that own property in California now, you sort of feel like the reason they're able to own property is because they've been in the system for so long and they've experienced all the exactly. appreciation with everybody else. But to come from like Georgia, let's say, and move to California, you'd have to have considerable equity to make that leap. Otherwise, you're renting. I mean, it's tough because it's so out of whack with I the mean, rest of the country. Yeah, you, you said it just right. It's like, unless we have parents that have a home or, or that sort of thing or that, that can kind of help, you're kind of out of luck, right? And then imagine all the teachers that are working in this area. You know, how are they able to survive if they didn't have a parent that already had a home? And we're seeing that already today. You know, we do a lot of, we've helped a lot of teachers kind of be able to stay in this area and it's allowed for them to have that sense of financial security and stability, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's it's such a big problem here that that we're also seeing and I, I know I mentioned really big numbers but in Austin for example the median real estate price could be 600k the rents could be about 1800 and then the mobile homes themselves could be about 200,000 right but mm -hmm. the main concept is that there, there's a stepping stone that that'll allow people to to get out of that rat race to really start start moving ahead because Otherwise, they they don't, you know, like we said, it's a moving target. You'll never become, unfortunately, the, the harsh reality is for many times that you'll almost never be able to own a home if we didn't have a, a step for them to get out of that, right? And you've seen the prices out here. It's like, it's 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 almost impossible. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, unless you've been a homeowner for years and have experienced depreciation with everybody else, how do you do it unless you... Mm -hmm. Some giant lump sum payment from something. I don't know. It's it's crazy in California. Exactly. So and and just like how you mentioned before, in this when you were here, when the art, you know, it's the beautiful thing is that this infrastructure is already here, right? Mm -hmm. These mobile home parks were built here back when you mentioned that you know, like the orchard style stuff. So we don't have to do a lot of government lobbying to building affordable housing. A lot of these development style things that would usually take five, 10 years to kind of accomplish, we don't have to deal with that anymore because that infrastructure is already there. These parks are there. There's 
there's there's several units that can be developed by that. Hmm. And you're grandfathered in, I guess, in California, right? So if the park's there, the park's there. If you buy a property, are they trying to eliminate the parks? Are they, you know, not grandfathering in some of the parks? Have you run into challenges with that? Um, you know, it's a very rare thing that we'll see it make sense to to close a park. Um, it's really it's only happened once in the last 10 12 years and as far as this park as far as this area goes but the main thing is that you know the yes they are grandfathered in and yes we there are a lot of protections when it comes to if a park were to close they actually get a more benefit if if the park owner decides to close it because they actually get a huge amount more than what their actual home is worth mm-hmm. and that's happened with that one closure as well and then it was Mobile home parks have always kind of been a super misunderstood thing throughout the years. And it was only in the frequent last two years that we're starting to understand the value of it. And they're starting to now open parks in many areas. Mm. So um, the value of it's just kind of starting to trend up, right? Can you walk us through maybe your first deal? Like how how you, maybe that first, the first one that you, you flip, like how did that how did you know you kind of had the idea come to your mind, but how did you find it? Uh, and how did you uh, fix it up? How did you monetize it? Yeah, so I guess the first element of our of what we do is really just the transactional side. So like the agent uh, helping people buy and sell these communities, and then it really came across it because these were built in the seventies. You know, we have a lot of single wise that are on a great lot. It's very similar to what you would do on a regular real estate home. You know, you're value adding what they already have to raise the current value of their unit um, and make it a success all around. Right. So that we'll find a 700 square foot home. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, your home could be worth about a hundred thousand now. Maybe they have kids. They need more square footage. They can't yet purchase a single family home. And then from there, hey, if we replace your old home for for a new one, you could spend about $270,000 and we can more than double your square footage of your unit. And then at the end of this, your new home value would be about $400,000, right? We can use a loan to spend that two seventy, dollars And then in the, the upside is later down the line, when you choose to sell it, you're able to profit from there, right? So it's it's... It's kind of like a development model, but in a very small way, but at, in more frequency, right? Unfortunately, you can't really do a lot of, um, it has to be like the home owner that's there that we're helping and we're we're helping them as a developer because you can't really do flips in, in uh, how do you say this, affordable housing zones. So if a family already lives there, and we want to help them develop their unit to a new one, then we can help them out that way. So you, just so I heard you correctly, you can't, it, it's tricky for you to like, let's say, just say flip a house to go in there, buy a mobile home, scrape it, put a new one and sell it for a profit. You say there's challenges to that. Correct. Because, well, there's, there's challenges, but I also find it as a beautiful thing as well is, is, you know, these are really truly affordable housing zones and, Every owner in these parks are an actual prime. That's actually their primary residence, right? Yep. So this means the reason why I think that's a beautiful thing is because you don't have an investor 
buying up a mobile home or two to rent them out later down the line or to profit later down the line. Everyone that's actually transacting in these parks, it it is truly their primary residence. And that allows the price to stay affordable. It allows for it to be attainable by the middle class, right? So are you, in terms of your business model, are you approaching people that live in mobile home parks and saying, hey, let me do this for you. Let's Let's talk about how we can take your existing lot existing property and upgrade it yes it very much in a way and then you know to be honest a lot of our stuff we get we get from our youtube channel and and, and that's kind of where we've gotten a lot of our clientele in california mm-hmm. and but you know to express kind of the problems as well as like you know the construction elements and why mobile homes and manufactured homes are super trending right now is because we have a big construction issue compared to the as far as our affordable housing goes and if we think about it you know the the cost of construction is so expensive nowadays and and how do i say this so i kind of bring up this analogy whereas like cars were originally built for the rich and wealthy and it was only until we were able to build these in assembly on an assembly line in a factory that we were able to make cars accessible to everyone. And that's exactly what we're doing with construction here, right? The cost of construction is getting more expensive material and labor uh, material is getting more expensive and labor. We're having a big, big shortage problem. That's going to continue to happen. Most of our workforce and skilled labor is 45 years old and older, and they're at the age to want to retire. And we don't have enough young generations wanting to get, working with a hammer and that sort of thing. So now that we're building these in a factory, what used to take me to develop a single family home about 18 months or more, we're now pushing that, you know, on our first deal, we it took us about 11 months to complete. But now just last week, we just broke our record and completed a home from start to finish in less than two and a half months, right? And that's a full 2000 square foot home, three bedroom, two bath. And because we're building these in a factory, we're, we're, we're ending up with the end product that's way more affordable, more streamlined and very high quality home with less labor, with also using less material because we have less waste and we can reuse it in the factory and, you know, ends up being good for the environment and also good for society. So again, just so I'm clear, you got if for one of your projects then would be basically scraping the old mobile home and starting with a brand new one. Correct. One that comes from the factory, so it's it's basically been pre-built, and then you bring it in on site, assemble it, and then what pimp it out a little bit. <laughs> I could I get that impression from uh, from your YouTube site that you guys yeah, really can... upgrade these suckers. Yeah, we do. So there's a lot of design element that happens to it. Um, so the way these these factories work is I have to commit to 100 homes or whatnot to be able to allow for them to modify the homes to be as beautiful as we as we have them, right? So, you know, if we want them to go out of the ordinary, we have to com- make those commitments. And, and that's exactly what we're doing, right? We we design the the best structurally the best structure for a mobile home as well as the best value back for these homes. So we designed the best floor plans that would work and cater to Gen X or even Gen Z at that time and build out these beautiful floor plans and we repeatedly build it. Um, but, you know, it's it's used in different, in different ways or in different locations and you don't 
see them right next to each other or anything right, like that. Right. How interesting. So, so somebody, let's say they're, they're in California and they've got a mobile home that they're living in and that they own. You come to them and say, Hey, let's upgrade this thing. Do they sell that mobile home? Are, are they getting any value of the existing home or are they sort of just scraping it and starting over? The, there's no, there's not a lot of value from the unit itself. So, so just to understand kind of the value of mobile homes, the mobile home itself, let's say you're, if you have a friend in Sunnyvale if, and they own a, an old mobile home, the value is actually because it's tied to the mobile home park itself, right? Gotcha. Because yep. it's on that lot. Yep. So as soon as we take that off, um, there's not a ton of value. It could drop to like 4000 and that sort of thing. And, wow. and it's very tough for us to sell. The best case scenario is we'll, we'll sell it to someone that has a farm out the middle of nowhere and we'll get a little bit back, but it's not even, it's negligible compared to what um, the home actually is. But many times we do have to demolish and recycle the material. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, yeah. So we'll scrape off the old one. We'll put in the new one. Gotcha. And are these people, uh, they must be getting long-term leases because it all sort of hinges, like you said, on the mobile home park itself. So are they locked into like a 20-year lease or a 100-year? What does that look like when you're in a park? Yeah, so there's it's an interesting lease style, but it is it is a month-to-month, -month, but they have the rights to that ownership for the length that they stay there, for the length that they own that home. So as long as they go by the rules, as long as they continue to pay their rent, there's government protections that allow for them to protect their asset, right? And I know a lot, there, a lot of people are worried like, hey, what if the park kicks us out? That sort of thing. There's a ton of government protection about that. And if you think about it as well, a lender, a bank would not go into a big investment like this and leverage 90% of that loan if they knew that they could be stopped as well. Right. 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 So there's a ton of protection and insurances around this as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. The only, I guess, like you had said earlier, if for some reason the park was going to close, there are some protections built into that as well. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine kind of like eminent domain issues, they're, you know, they're forced to, it's very similar to that. They're forced to pay them for the value of their home plus more, you know, plus whatever it is. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. So have you done any, have you guys done any, you and your group done any work as far as ownership of parks? Or has it really been on the replacement, you know, focusing on the replacement and then uh, new structures? So only in the last year or so were we starting to do consulting work for park owners. And like I mentioned, there's parks that are now being opened, right? So for example, east of Reno, the Tesla built this huge gigafactory and now we're working with them to, they, they built a ton of labor and workforce out there and now they don't have housing and they've realized that, hey, this is going to be the best way for us to build hundreds of homes at a fast rate, right? So now we're doing work kind of for them to to build out uh, a park east of, you know, in these areas that have a fast growing market. I have a friend that's also doing this in Montana. Uh, and then we do a lot of the consulting out in Austin uh, area as well. So I, I haven't gotten into the ownership element, but I have a lot of friends that do and, and really benefit a lot from it. And, and we're starting to see a lot of entities purchasing mobile home parks, value adding them. And that's where we come in to raise the value of their parks as well. And then, you know, they get the benefit of refinancing it, of, um, of raising their asset and that's, and that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious 
there's got to be a price point where this maybe doesn't, the model almost doesn't make sense. Like if you're in a third tier market, you know, where real estate's already super affordable, it almost, you know, to bring in a new mobile home might be on par price wise with an existing house. So where do you find that the markets, where's that sort of cutoff point where the model just stops working? Yeah. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it as a price point. I'd really put it as kind of like density of population. Uh, you know, when, when these are in high density markets, that's really where this only makes sense currently. Right. So markets like Austin, we have, um, we have uh, Atlanta that we're starting to kind of do this as well. Uh, but it's really where the ratio of the rent and the single family home those are at a high price point where there's no availability for the middle class to own real estate. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, we do a lot of calculations and I've, I've worked with doing a lot of conversations with DC on where this comes into play, but it really comes down to the population ratio and how difficult of a problem the housing is in that area. And of course the California markets make a ton of sense. We have some areas of Florida where it makes ton of sense as well yeah yeah that would, <laughs> i'm surprised even atlanta works i guess what's the low what's sort of the low end price point then to do one of these houses I so mean, i just started going through the numbers there last but typically the end product of a new home would kind of look like a hundred forty thousand, okay. which is very low compared to what we're doing here Yep. However, it, it's as we mentioned, it becomes a stepping stone for a family that sure. maybe can't, you know, can't afford. Because from what I gathered, price point for single family uh, in the lower end was like four hundred thousand or something like that. I, it depends I, I, where you I, are in Atlanta. I mean, uh, yeah, north, yeah. south, east, west. It sort of depends. There are certain areas where you can still get a decent house in the mid twos. Um, mm -hmm. just depends on where you, where you are but 140 makes sense you're not buying any you know nice livable houses right now for 140 in in Atlanta so so that's going into an existing park like we said scrape scraping and then putting a, a newer well give me the specs like for a $140,000 mobile home what, what does that look like how many square feet beds bath that's, it's a 1600 square foot three bedroom two bath full drywall um, we didn't do the full quartz stuff, but it's like laminate stainless steel appliances, that sort of thing. Interesting. <laughs> and from, I'm just curious, what's, what are the margins for you? I mean, you're, you're a business guy. You're not doing this just for kicks and giggles. I mean, there's a, there's a money-making component to this. I'm, are your, are the margins good, you know, being on the builder side of this? Yeah. So we're more on the builder side versus, I know like a lot of real estate people look at the ratios and that sort of thing but ours really come from the construction logistics um initially nothing really um but the profits it it really ratios right uh and it, it it's more on the construction in the factories that we we're seeing these margins because there's three different elements where we're where we're where our model makes sense we do it on the transactional side of the brokerage mm -hmm. and then we do it on the construction on site and then as well as mainly in the factory building right when we're able to build factory quality homes at much at a much lower cost compared to what a single family home would be built that's really where that opportunity is made and it does vary a lot in in many different areas but you know it, i know it sounds silly but 
for me, money really was not always the driver. It was really more to be kind of sustainable and create that change of impact. And, you know, I still tear up today when I see a family get the first home that they never thought was possible. And, you know, as soon as I saw that, it made me addicted to want to help more and more families, right? Mm -hmm. So our goal is really to be as sustainable as possible. And yes, we do need to be profitable to keep it sustainable. But, you know, I wouldn't say it's a huge attraction point for what we do. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you guys have, I guess, done the volume now to where you're able to participate at the factory level. So does that mean you guys have your own factories or you've partnered with factories and sort of negotiated pricing? Started with the partnership side and then, yes, we kind of are working with factories as far as opening them as well. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So give me an idea. How many have you guys done? Um, last year, we did about 160. Um, wow. I don't know what we're at this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's through a lot of partnerships, through a lot of collaborating and that sort of thing. And, and to be honest, our company is only about two and a half, three years old right now. So we're very fortunate that our team's gotten to where we're at. And, you know, our real goal is truly to try to beautify mobile homes and for people to understand the social elements of it and how it can really make a difference in many cities that have this housing issue. Because mm-hmm. coming from where I grew up, I wish uh, I wish there were more opportunities like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal, man. What an interesting business model to scale as quick as you've scaled it too. Very interesting. Yeah. One one of the questions I have is how do you source the opportunities? Like how do you identify, you have a sales team out talking to people that currently have mobile homes that you're going to upgrade? Like how do you, how do you find essentially your, your, your customer? It's really a blend of, uh, of many things, but I think right now it's really been our, our, our YouTube stuff is, um, it's a mix of our YouTube stuff and then also park owners as well. So, you know, keep in mind that with what we're doing, it, it really helps all, all parties. It helps the resident that owns the unit. It also helps the park owners as well. So park mm-hmm. owners have these problematic homes. Guess what? Us By us doing business in their in their park and converting their old ones to new ones, the, more, the better ratio of these beautiful homes inside of their park, even though the park owner doesn't own it, it raises the value of the mobile home park as well. And it also inspires neighbors to like, hey, that, that turned out nice. How did that work out? Now I want to consider putting a new home. And then we have these communities with 40% uh, new homes turning into 60%. Mm-hmm. Park owner's happy. The residents are happy. And... Um, so it's a mix of really the park owners and then our our um, our online presence as well. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Well, so you you mentioned your online presence. I'm sure people are thinking, I, I got to check this YouTube page out. So maybe where, how can people find you? They're they're curious. They're interested. They want to see some of your work. Where would you point them to? Yeah. So all of our links are at www.franco.tv or you could Google our YouTube channel at Franco Mobile Homes. I think, you know, it's easy for us to talk about this. And and I think when it comes to this sort of thing, we really need to learn. I mean, we really learn vis- visually and, and we could talk about this all the time, but until you really see how these homes are built and what they look like, you won't believe that this is a mobile home. Right. And I think maybe you thought that when you saw it as well, it's like, shoot, 12 foot high ceiling. This is crazy, right? But I really urge people, if you haven't seen what this looks like, to take a look at our 3D tours, take a look at our 
our our videos and the the homes that we build. And we also tell stories of like, hey, this is a teacher that wasn't able to live in this area, but because she lives in a mobile home, this is what it looks like. This is her numbers, her finances, and a lot of financial literacy education um, on our channel stuff too. Very <laughs> cool. Man, I love what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Definitely admirable. Folks, again, Franco.tv is the website. Franco Mobile Homes on YouTube. Check out these videos. I can tell you as soon as we're done, that's where I'm headed, man. I'm going to watch some of these videos because I'm super intrigued by the whole thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, we love what you're doing, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed our time with you. Thanks for having me, guys. This is great. Awesome. Excellent. Next, next time we're out in San Jose, we'll come by and visit. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, guys, and then appreciate this. All right, buddy. Take care. Man, was that good or what, Kevin? Loved it. Man, really fascinating stuff. I kind of want to live in a mobile home now after listening to that. It just sounds amazing. 12-foot ceilings? Come on. That's crazy. Have you ever seen a mobile home with a 12-foot ceiling? No. I mean, that's, it's giving you the feel of a loft, maybe like a lot downtown loft apartment, but you're you're parked out in the... It's different. great. I mean, uh, I'm on the site right now, franco.tv. I mean, check it out. There's some a pretty amazing looking... I mean, who knew this was a thing? Like... It's almost like pimp my ride for uh, for mobile home parks. I, I wanted to say that, but then I was like, mm, I don't want to offend the guy. But it was really interesting, <laughs> really cool stuff. It's super. I love the fact that he he grew and scaled the business to the extent that now he's like on the manufacturing side. Yeah. So that he right. can spit these suckers out for, for way cheaper. I mean, that's really kind of that's sort of his business model. He's making it like he sort of alluded to in a couple different places. But really, he's carving out margins because now he's participating at the manufacturer level. The guy certainly has dialed into his niche. Like he knows exactly who, where he's targeting, where he fits and not a lot of competition. I mean, I haven't no. heard about anybody else doing this sort of thing nope. and, and meeting a very real demand. Like there's a real need, particularly out on the West coast where housing is so difficult to get into. And you got, you know, young people, and he mentioned millennials and that sort of thing that are trying to get into the housing market, man, he's, 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 he's really nailed a huge need and meeting that in a really unique way. Yep. Yeah. And you can tell he feels good about, you know, the fact that he's created affordable housing because he knows what it feels like to be in California and to struggle to make ends meet. And so you can tell yeah. that it's, it's really near and dear to his heart to try to make housing affordable for people. You know, the, your blue collar, your average people who are just trying to make ends meet. I think it's really cool. Yeah, me too. I say we do this again next week. Agree 100 percent, man. See you. Same time, same place. And if I don't see you beforehand, have a great time at the beach. <laughs> see you, dude. Bye. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm. Hey friends, just a final thought before you check out. You know, so many of us are going 100 miles an hour through life. We're weighed down by stress or worry or even that haunting feeling of emptiness. But it doesn't have to be that way. I've actually put together a quick resource at faithcrossroad.com where I share just a little bit about the faith that gives me hope and purpose and identity. And I'd love to share it with you. Again, faithcrossroad.com.